0: Hi, this is Matt Shaw, pastor at City Lift Church. If you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love for you to come visit us on a Sunday sometime or join us online, citylift.church. We hope today's message fills you with courage and helps you on your spiritual journey. We exist just to help people meet, know, and follow Jesus. Enjoy today's message. If you haven't met me yet, my name is Matt, and I'm not the guy who's usually up here who's also named Matt. There's a pastor, Matt. He is actually sick today so i got a call last night asked to fill in for him have a little switcheroo another matt from the midwest and hopefully you guys won't notice but i'm not going to pretend to be pastor matt today uh we're going to do things a little bit differently this morning, and we are going through a sermon series called A Seat at the Table. It's with Church United. Church United is a network of churches all throughout South Florida. We want to be on mission together to reach the lost and the lonely here in South Florida. And so we're taking a period of time over the next couple of weeks. We've got another sermon next week where we're all preaching on the same topic, the same piece of scripture. So that's what we're going to be unpacking today. Like I said, Pastor Matt, he's a lot funnier than me. And so I'm not going to pretend to be up here with jokes today or do a full sermon. What we're going to do today is we're going to do a good old-fashioned Bible study. Is that all right? If we do a good Bible study, we are going to try to get a little bit of interactivity. And so in a few minutes, I'm going to have you guys shout out some thoughts, some questions, and then we're going to unpack that Bible together. Sound good? All right. Excellent. Well, as we are getting ready for this morning... The piece of scripture that we're going to be going over, it is Luke 15. So if you have your Bibles, you can open them up to Luke 15 this morning. If you have an app, there's, a, there's something called the Bible app. Um, you can feel free to open that up or whatever. And so we're going to read through that today. And uh, we are going to take a look specifically at three different parables. This word parable, it is the word for a story. So when Jesus is giving us instructions or he's giving us ideas about the way we should live, the way that we should have a relationship with him, he speaks in these stories. He doesn't come out and just tell us exactly what to do. He wants us to lean into scripture. He wants to look for something that is either uncomfortable or confusing. He wants us to dig into and chew on the scripture. So that's what we're going to be doing today. And uh, I brought up an extra uh, chair here because... I've been Christian now for over 15 years. I was trying to count this morning, I don't know exactly, 15, 17 years. And during that time, I've found in my Christian walk that I have to make an intentional point to not just go through the motion when reading scripture, when praying. It's easy for me to be in my head when I'm coming to the word of God and that's not okay. I want to have it be fresh every time. And so one thing that I've recently started doing, we're gonna practice together today, is I brought up an extra little chair here for me, myself, when I am praying in the morning, it's the best time so I don't fall asleep while praying and reading the Bible. So I pray early in the morning and I go out to a little park bench near our condo and I try to sit on the side of the park bench, leave space here, and for me in my head, it just really helps to picture as if I'm having a conversation in the morning with God. If Jesus is here sitting next to me and he is a person, he's not an idea. And as you'll probably unpack, over the next few minutes together, I am often up in my head. I'm very intellectual. I try to think about things. I try to get down to the root word and the Greek and the Hebrew. This little act, it helps me to recognize and remember that Jesus, he doesn't care about just our actions. He doesn't want us to just live the way that he called us to live. Jesus and God the Father, they want us to have a relationship with them. And so that's what we're gonna to try to lean into this morning. And so I know there are a lot of newer believers here at part of the church and that's really exciting. It's something that actually not many churches right now in South Florida, they have the privilege of having people new to the faith, and so we love the fact that many of us are still trying to figure out this thing called Christianity. I'm still trying to figure it out a few years in, and one thing that many Christian pastors or preachers that they will recommend when people ask them, how do you read the Bible, is they will give this little acronym. Pastors, they love Acronyms, and so who here has heard of the the SOAP acronym? S O A P. Yeah, we've got a few hands, a few hands. So what SOAP stands for is Scripture, Observation, Application, and Prayer. And we're going to practice that together as we go through this piece of Scripture in Luke 15. We're going to first read the Scripture. The good news for today is, well, bad news is you don't have Pastor Matt. He's funnier than me. Good news is you got a really good piece of Scripture that we're going to go through. Luke 15. Then we're going to have some observations. And when we go through this observation period, we're going to ask ourselves, what made me feel something? What made me feel happy? What made me feel sad? What made me feel confused? What questions did I have? Many times in our Western world, we try to just make sense of all of Scripture. We say it's not okay to to disagree with scripture, so I'm not even going to ask myself what didn't make sense or what am I confused about. We gloss over that. But in the ancient Hebrew culture and in the Christians that were reading this early on, they tried to lean into the parables, specifically the parts that were confusing, specifically the parts that were unexpected. That's often where God hides the nugget of gold that we're going to be trying to unpack this morning. And this is where in about three minutes from now, when we finish reading scripture, I'm going to ask you What observations did you have? What was confusing? What questions do you have? Once we get through that, we're going to have an application period. And again, as a part of our modern day society, oftentimes we're like myself, sitting alone on a park bench, and we try to apply scripture to me, Matt, living in 2023. But throughout human history, the way that we applied scripture it was as a community it was actually much more like what we're doing this morning where we get to read it together and we get to have a conversation about what do how are we going to live differently as a community how are we going to apply this on monday morning in our society and then lastly we're going to finish with a prayer today how's that sound sound good all right excellent so if you got your bibles together we are going to be opening up luke 15. this is a portion of scripture where jesus he's traveling around Galilee, and he's traveling around Samaria, and he is being followed by people who, some of them are new to faith, some of them are what the religious people call sinners, which all of us are there, right? So some of these people are known as sinners, some of these people are regularly attending synagogue, and so he's got a variety of people around him, and the way Jesus is going to communicate about who he is and about who the Father is, is he's going to tell these three stories in Luke 15, it says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and he eats with them. Then Jesus told this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and he loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts on his shoulders and he goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over the 99 righteous who do not need to repent. He goes on and he says, or suppose that a woman has 10 silver coins and she loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the whole house, carefully search for it until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors and she says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. The third story. Jesus continued and he said, there was a man who has two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had and he set off for a distant country And there he squandered his wealth in wild living. And after he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and he hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to the fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. And when he came to his senses, he said, "'How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? "'And here I am starving to death.' I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, the father saw him and he was filled with compassion. Underline or highlight that word compassion. We're going to come back to that later today. While the son was still a long way off, His father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf, kill it, let's have a feast, and let's celebrate. For this son of mine that was dead is alive again. He was lost, and he's found. So they began to celebrate. And meanwhile, the older son was in the field and while he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and he asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him, but he answered his father and said, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and I never disobeyed your orders. You never gave me even a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, he comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father says, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, he was dead, and he's alive again. He was lost and now he's found. Amen? That's a good piece of scripture right there, right? All right. So again, practicing this Bible reading, this Bible study, a little different than we usually do on Sunday mornings here. I want you to take 30 seconds, turn to your neighbor, and share something that you observed. What's something that you noticed? What's something that you felt? What's a question that you have? What didn't make sense? Share with each other, and then I'm going to ask for a couple ideas. All right. Let's hear. What what were some of your thoughts? What was an observation that you had? Who's willing to, to share one thing? Just shout it out. I'll repeat it down here. What's an observation that we had in the crowd? Yes. You're never too far gone. That's, that's a good one. That's a really good one. Thank you. Thank you. Another one. We're going to do three or four of these. Yep, Jay. God is always welcoming us back, and he's happy when we come back. He's celebrating, right? And it's not just God celebrating. The angels are celebrating. Amen. That's good. Uh, yes. Yes. Ooh, your journey of say the last piece again. Uh, the journey of faith should not be a selfish one. You can celebrate. Wow, that's even she should be preaching today. Uh, your journey of faith is not a selfish one. It's okay, you should be celebrating for others. Wow, that that speaks home. That's good. That's good. All right, one one more. Yeah. That's good. So like the Lenten season where you give something up and you're grateful for what you've given up, it's an even bigger celebration. It means even more when you get that thing back. I remember um, the hardest one for me, giving up something for Lent, I was like 10. I gave up meat for some reason. I don't know why. Um, but I like, became a 10-year-old vegan for a month, and it was terrible. But I had a plate of ribs and bacon and steak on Easter, and I felt terrible because you get used to not eating meat, and then I ate all the red—anyway, that was not in my sermon notes, but thank you for that. I appreciate it. So this is, this is great. Again, for those of us who are new to the faith, when we are right, reading Scripture, Scripture is meant for us to actually— have it mean something have it feel something and so when we go through and we read through a big section like that in luke we just want to be able to walk away from that morning of reading scripture or that sunday when we're reading scripture together with one key idea and so all of us we just picked out an observation that we have and what we're going to do is we're going to dive into just a couple of those one of the ones that i had here is specifically how the father had compassion and he ran toward the son we're going to get into how unusual that is especially in that age in the hebrew culture for a man to be running it's embarrassing it's not something that they do but this guy this father he's so in love with his son and excited for that time to re- reunite with him that he ran after him another one was that the shepherd the shepherd leaves the 99 i help lead a business and if in my business one of my employees left all of our 99 customers in order to go find one i'd say hey that's probably not the right wise decision right let's 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 be a little smarter here let's not forget about all 99 and just find the one we can afford losing the one but god's different right God's different. That's one of the key points here. And not only does the shepherd leave the 99, which seems irresponsible, he also tells everyone when he finds the one and he celebrates. I feel like if I was the shepherd, I'd be like, let's not tell everyone in town that I lost my sheep. Uh, Let's just sweep that under the rug. But God is a God, what we're seeing here, who is exuberant. He is joyous. He is outlandish in the way that he celebrates when he gets to have a relationship with each of us. So that's a little bit of what we're going to unpack together. Again, we're in this sermon series with churches all throughout South Florida, and the two areas that we're unpacking and that we're applying together throughout South Florida today, this morning, is compassion. We're unpacking compassion. What does God's heart look like when we have compassion? And prayer. How do we actively pray for our community here in South Florida? And so when we take a look at these three stories that are in scripture, we got the, the, the shepherd who loses the one, we have the woman who loses her one coin, we have the father who is distanced from his son. What we see is that the person who is the representative of God, that shepherd, the woman, the father, they act differently than what we would typically expect. Usually when we think about God in a lot of our cultures and back then as well, we, if we picture God, at least myself, sometimes it's with a frown, like he's angry, like he's upset with things that we do or things that we've said or things that we're not doing that we should be doing, I feel guilty. But the picture that scripture is depicting here, it looks very different. It's a, it's a father who wants a relationship. It's a father who's welcoming in. It's a father who has compassion. And that's where we will dive in right now. Now, in this culture, if we zoom in specifically on that story of the lost son who runs away, the cultural tradition would have been for the father to react and respond by beating the child, not letting him go, definitely not giving him any money, but to, to actually beat that child. The, 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 the younger son, he said to his father, "'Father, give me my share of the estate.'" Which in that time, what that would mean is, Father, I wish you were dead. I wish that you didn't live so that I could just have all of your stuff. Just let me live, let me be. And oftentimes, especially for those of us before we met Jesus, that's the way that we live. God, I I wish that you didn't exist. Let me live my own life. Let me have my own money. Let me spend it how I want. Let me do what feels right. And surprisingly, the father in this story, he says, all right, go. He says, so he divided his property between them, which is surprising for me, right? You'd think, oh, well, this father, he's smart enough to, to know not to, to let that son go, to hold him back. But this father, he allows the son to leave, but the father continues to pursue a relationship, even when the son rejects the father. How much of our story is that? How much of my story was that? Even when I was distant from God, I I told God, I don't want to live the way that you've called me to live. I don't want the things that you've called me to have. The father still was looking for me, waiting for me and pursuing that relationship with me. In that community, as the son is leaving, that community would have been obligated or recommended to stone the child, the son, when returning back because the child did something so egregious telling his father he wishes that they were dead. If that son chooses to come back into the community, that community would have stoned the child. And when we take a look at this example of the father and the the brokenness that the father feels when the son is leaving, we get a little picture of that compassion that God has for us and specifically the compassion that God feels for those who are lost, those who are not in a relationship with him we've all been the younger son, and in this story, the younger son not only just goes out and messes up, does a lot of things that the father said that they shouldn't, the younger son also creates a plan of how to do good things to get back in favor with the father. It says that the son was trying to think through ways that the servants, they had food, right? So if I can just be like a servant That's good enough. I'm not gonna ask my dad to be a son again. I'm not gonna ask to be a child of the father again. What I'm gonna do is I'm just gonna try to get some food, live in a different part of the community, and I'm just gonna have some sustenance, some resources. But he makes a plan for how he's gonna have that right relationship with the father. We also don't wanna be like the older son in the story. The older son is caught comparing, judging, and I believe he, the older son is even jealous of what this younger son got to do. How many of us in the church, we, we do the right thing. We feel very proud that we live the right way, right? But we look at the people over here at the wharf or other places, and we say, man, kind of sounds fun, right? Feel a little jealous, right? That's a little bit of what we see happening in the older son's heart. What we do want and what we're praying for here in South Florida is to have a heart that's shaped after the father in this story. The father, before the son was able to tell the father his plan for, I'm going to do X, Y, Z, and then you're going to pay me, and then I'm going to live in a different area. All you have to do is feed me. The father stops the son. He interrupts him and he says, look, the money isn't what's important. Yeah, you, you told me you wanted me to die. You took all my money. You wasted it. But that's not what I'm concerned with. What the father in this story, he says, is that I want a relationship. I don't want you to come and try to reconcile with me and then you get to be a servant and there's a transaction that happens where you made up for all of your, your dues, everything that you owe me. That's not good enough. What the father in this story wants is the father wants a reconciled relationship with the child. And that's what he's searching for each and every one of us. If you're here in this room and you don't know Jesus, what he is looking, what he wants is to be able to be in right communication with you, right relationship with you. The brokenness, the sins that you've committed, they are what is separating us from God, the Bible says. But Jesus, he came, he died, and he was resurrected so that we can have that perfect relationship with the Father. And the example that we have here in Scripture is this father, when he's hurt by the son, he never takes his eyes off the horizon. He's still looking and searching and pursuing that kid that broke his heart, that kid that did the wrong thing. Nevertheless, the unconditional love of that father is looking and waiting and hoping that the child returns. And that's a picture of God's heart for each and every one of us. And when he gets the glimmer of hope, when, when the father sees the sun on the horizon coming back, the father probably knows that that community wasn't gonna treat that son very well. That community in that time was supposed to stone or shame the son for coming back. And so the father does something unexpected. The father embarrasses himself by getting up and running toward that son. He's gonna run past the people who might have a stone in their hand ready to convict and, and condemn that son. The father's gonna run past people who are gonna make fun of or doubt his ability as a father because he should have known better. He shouldn't have ever given those good things. The father doesn't care what other people are gonna think. The father is only concerned with that relationship, the relationship that's waiting to be restored. And that's the picture of the father, of our father in heaven. He wants a relationship. He wants to search after each one of us. He wants our heart. He doesn't care what it looks like He wants to know us, and he wants to be sitting on that bench with us, having a relationship each morning. Amen? There's a couple other examples here in the first two um, stories that I I do want to touch on because it convicted me this morning uh, in the 12 hours that we've been preparing for this morning. The first example is the shepherd. When the shepherd is leaving, the 99, he goes to the 1. Leaving the 99 goes to the 1, and actually between services, someone shared with me that what stood out to her is this, this picture that it's, it's not good enough to not have everything. So she said, the shepherd here is so concerned with being whole, being reconciled, just like God the Father. He's created everything in the world. He's not good, and it's not good enough for God to have this room full of Christians every morning. God wants all all of his creation, all of his kids to be reconciled with him. That's the jealousy, that's the power, and that's the heart of God. And that's the heart that we can be thinking of as well. When we think of compassion, when we think of the reflecting the heart of Jesus here to our community, we should be searching not for five of our friends, not for two of our family members, but for everyone that we know to understand and to meet and to know and to follow Jesus. That's the example that we have with this shepherd. The other picture is with the lost coin. The woman, when she loses this coin, it's not good enough for her to have nine. She's not whole with nine of the coins. She needs to find that one last coin. And what she does is she inconveniences herself. This is for me personally, one of my biggest struggles with evangelism is that I've got a full schedule. I work a lot. And I don't have a block of time in my Monday through Friday or Saturday or Sunday that just says evangelism. This is my time to evangelize. It's actually not a bad idea. I'm actually thinking about doing that going forward. But it's hard for me to get past my flow, my schedule, what's convenient, what's comfortable, what other people might think in order to go out and share the gospel. And what these three stories they show us is that it's important and oftentimes not natural, it's not comfortable, to be able to share the gospel, to reconcile people with the Father. But that's what we're called to do. We're called to have compassion. The dictionary.com, it defines compassion as a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another one who is stricken by misfortune. And it's accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. God doesn't call us just to feel bad for people. Doesn't call us to just feel bad that there's a lot of humans in the world that don't know him. We're called to do something. We're called to put that into action what the father wants when reconciling people, like I mentioned before, it's not a transaction. It's not, you took my money and I'm going to have you repay that money in full. It's not, you committed X, Y, Z sin and therefore you need to do X, Y, Z good things in order to have a good relationship with me. The father says, wait, 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 no, stop. We're gonna work on your actions. We're gonna work on that, but what matters is your relationship. What matters is your heart. What matters is that I don't know you anymore. You're not sitting on a park bench next to me anymore. And all I want to do is I want to get to know you as a son, as a daughter, as a child of God. That's what God is pursuing. Spurgeon, there's a, a famous philosopher. He writes about this desire that we should all have to introduce people to Jesus, this desire, this compassion to share the gospel. As this. He says, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. If they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled with the teeth in teeth of our exertions, and let no one go unwarned and unprayed for. That is our heart As City Lift. We wanna be a people that are filled with compassion, people that are loving those in our community, whether they are believing Jesus or not. We wanna be out there doing everything that we can before they die to help them to get to know that they have a father in heaven who loves them and they have a father who sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for their sins in order to have that perfect relationship. They've got a father who sees them on the horizon and is running after them. Doesn't matter what it feels like, doesn't matter the inconvenience or the embarrassment, they have a father who loves them and will continue to pursue them, amen? Amen, Amen. that's what we're going after. And so how do we do that? This is application point number two and then we wrap up for today. Application number two, we do that through prayer. Prayer is one of the ways, it's probably the most important way that God transforms our hearts. He transforms our families. He transforms our community, transforms this church, this body. Prayer is what helps us to have that relationship with Jesus and to feel like we actually know him and that we are shaped by him. And when we read scripture, we get to learn information about Jesus. When we pray, we get to feel and actually make that information sink deep into our bones. That's what we're doing as we're praying. Pastor Chang, he says, prayer moves God. Our prayers make things happen. Prayer realizes God's will, does not correct his will. It fulfills his will. And the key thing there is that prayer, it's not changing God, it's changing us. God has a will for this place, for this community, for this church. And when we pray, we're trying to align ourselves with God's will. We're trying to understand, hey, Jesus, what are you, what are you trying to do here in South Florida? What are you trying to do in my family? Prayer is the time where we get to have that time of moving our hearts toward Jesus. It's that connection that we have. And we as a body here in, in City Lift, we can try to exist outside of Jesus. We can make a lot of plans. We can make a lot of strategies for how we're going to reach people here in the community. But if we're not connected to Jesus, there's no value in that. There's no power behind that. There's power when we're connected to Jesus. And the Bible says that Jesus is the head of any church, of our church in particular, Jesus is the head. And the body without any head is lifeless, it's motionless, it's useless. But when the head is connected to the body and the body is getting instructions and, and ideas and power from the head, that's when the body is in motion. That's when the body is useful and we wanna be a church that's in motion. We want to be a church that's filled with the Holy Spirit, that's filled with that relationship with Jesus, and is celebrating with the angels in heaven every time someone gets to meet, know, and follow Jesus. We want to pray that we're a church that's filled with compassion, that God's changing our hearts for the city, that we're broken, which sometimes is inconvenient, like that shepherd who wasn't okay with being unwhole, actually risked, the 99 in order to go find the one, we wanna be okay with risking in order to go find those lost in our community. Like the woman who inconvenienced her day with chores, turning up the house, she might've had other plans. She risked all of that. She said, I'm gonna inconvenience myself in order to find the one that's lost. So let's pray that we would be moved to action as a church. And And throughout South Florida today, Uh, Churches are asking these two questions. Number one, are our hearts filled with compassion for people? Are our hearts filled with compassion for people? And as we leave here today, I want us to all ask that. Is my heart filled with compassion for people? When I read the news or if I see these images, does it just gloss over in my head? Or is my heart hardened? Or is God actually transforming my heart? What can I be praying for in the morning for that transformation? And the second thing is, are we actively praying? Are we actively praying? And for some of us that are new to, to faith, the exciting thing is that I get often asked, um, how do you pray? What, what does that mean to pray? What, can you give me an example? Was it, what should it feel like? How long should I be praying for? And so one thing that I've been working on over the past eight months or so I got from uh, a mentor, his name is Stefan Trevigin, and he he has uh, this way of praying, it's called the active prayer. Like I mentioned before, a lot of Christians and pastors, they love acronyms. They love being able to spell something out so you can remember it. For me, it's actually been helpful. And I was thinking today, we can practice that type of prayer together. How's that sound? Yeah? So what active prayer stands for is, A stands for adoration, It'll come up here on the screen in a moment. A stands for adoration. This is something that we wanna say, God, you are great. You are holy and set apart. You're different than me. I recognize that I am not you. C is for confession that we have all lived differently than what God calls us to. We have to confess that we have sinned in commission. We've done things that we don't need to do that we shouldn't do in omission. There are things that God's called us to do that we haven't been doing. So we take a moment to confess. Thanksgiving. There's so many things in our lives, and especially when I have times of depression or sorrow, it's important for me to be thankful for all the great things that God's doing in our life. Intercession. This is a fancy way of saying pray for people. You got people in your life. You got family members. You got friends who are going through something difficult. You got friends who may not know Jesus. Pray for them on their behalf because they may not be praying, but God's going to hear your prayer and still move. Vanquishing evil especially in today's day and age, I think it's been this way throughout all of scripture and and history, there's a lot of bad stuff going on in the world, and we should be praying against evil. There's a reality that's physical that we get to see and we get to experience on a day-to-day basis, but as Christians, we believe there's a spiritual reality as well, and so we should be praying that God's forces of good would be able to conquer and they would be, they would be able to win out in the heavenly and in the spiritual realm as well. And lastly, extreme prayer. And this is one that's been fun for me. It's been a little uncomfortable for me, but very helpful. And this extreme prayer is something that I can't do on my own. It's something that sounds ridiculous. It's something that uh, only God would be able to accomplish this, but it's able to align my heart in knowing look, I can put together a plan, but God has to be the one to fulfill it. I can put together some thoughts of what we should be doing, but God, what is something big that we can be pursuing together? And that's extreme prayer. So let's take a moment, let's practice, and then we'll get out of here, okay? Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for scripture that you've been able to place this this message in Luke 15 here to give us a reflection of who you are. It's so amazing, and, and and Lord, it paints this picture that is unexpected, a picture that is reckless in the way that you love us, despite our recklessness in how we sin. Lord, we thank you that you have been set apart. We thank you that you are greater than us, that you've made this creation, and that we don't have to figure out things ourselves, but Lord, that you are in control. Thank you for that. Lord, we confess that all of us here have sinned, and whether that is a sin of something where, like the younger son, we've gone out and swindled our money, and we've, we've wasted our lives, and we've done things that are against your will, or if that's a sin like the older brother, where we judge people, we, we are jealous, we are hard-hearted, we're not in relationship with you. Lord, either way, we confess those sins in our hearts this morning. We ask for forgiveness by the blood of Jesus Christ, that we would be able to be made new and made whole in relationship with you this morning. Lord, we thank you for that gift of Jesus who died in our place for our sins. We thank you that we get to be able to worship you here in this place safely. We thank you for the gift of city lift, the, the pastors that we have, the, the the community that we're in. And Lord, we pray this morning for Pastor Matt, who is sick and that's why he's not able to be here this morning, but in particular, my heart is inclined toward whatever is going on um, on the street right now. I saw some police cars out here. Lord, I, I know that there are people that are broken in this community. We pray that you would be with those people who are hurting, with the families, with anyone in this community right now who is struggling mentally and emotionally. Lord, we pray that you would empower us to be your light, to be your love in this community of South Florida, and that we would be able to go out and share the good news, share the gospel, and reach those who are still lost, those who you're running after this morning. Lord, we pray against the evil that's happening in the world. In particular, I think of all the war, and the brokenness, and the pain that's happening. We pray that there would be an end to the war. There would be a peace among the nations in a supernatural way. And lastly, Lord, for extreme prayer. I don't even know if this is possible, but what was on my heart this morning, I know that there's about four percent-ish Christians down here in South Florida, people coming to church on a regular basis pursuing you. Lord, I pray as we get ready for 2024 that that number would double. Lord, I pray that it would be hard to fit every person who wants to know you, person who's hearing your call into the buildings of the churches that are here in South Florida. I pray that that would be a problem that we get to have and experience all throughout next year, that this place would be packed out, that churches throughout South Florida would be able to preach your name, and that people who are hungry to meet, know, and follow you, that they would be given the bread of life. And Lord, that they would be reconciled with you, and that we could all celebrate, as you said in the scripture, with the angels that are in heaven. Help us to celebrate and be a people that are joyous, a people that are filled with love, and a people that are known by how we love one another. Lord, we pray all of these things in your name. Amen. Thanks again for checking out our podcast. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe. Share with a few friends. Thanks for helping us make Jesus famous right here in South Florida. Again, if you're in the Fort Lauderdale area, we'd love to see you sometime. Or as always, visit us online, citylift.church. Have an amazing day.